But in this hour, we like to talk about inspirational things, positive things. And uh, this evening, I am uh, going to be talking to Peter van and who's here with me in studio. And uh, he is the author of three books that I'm looking at, The Significance of Being Born, Eight Methods to Uncover Your Purpose, Walking with Faith, Uh, That is a book that he's co-written with nine other authors. Then, of course, Breaking the Zone, Five Ways to Reach Your Potential by Peter Fanavestes. And he's here. And we're going to be talking about the importance of the negativity in your life. Interesting, hey? Always talking about uh, the importance of positive things and the uh, positive thinking and all of those wonderful things. Well, he's going to be talking to us about the importance of uh, negative things and the issue that exists between the idea between a response and a reaction. Uh, and I think it's going to be a great conversation. He's here with me in studio. When we come back, we have that conversation with Peter van Vestes. Late Night Talk. Late Night Talk. On 702, your number one news and talk station. 19 minutes after midnight and Peter van Verstezen is here with me in studio. Peter, thank you very much for coming through to studio at this time. Very few people willing to do so. So I appreciate you coming through, sir. Thank you very much for the opportunity. You've written three books already and uh, I'm I'm looking at uh, the various, um, I suppose, titles of the books. Walking with Faith, The Significance of Being Born, Breaking the Zone, Five Ways to Reach Your Potential. It looks like you're a, an individual who's interested in personal development and those kinds of things. Tell me more about that angle Absolutely. Of um, you know, when I, I grew up, I was the youngest of five children. Yeah. I grew up in a mining village. Um, so I spent most of my time alone. So I, I was very shy. And because I was very shy, I tended to keep to myself. Yeah. Um, I, I got into a career that I... That was easy, where I didn't have to deal with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but that's not necessarily always the right thing. Sure. You know, and um, through a lot of trials that I had to go through through my life, I had to develop a resilience because, you know, trials have the ability to either bring out the best or the worst in you and yeah. the choice is yours. Sure. So I made the choice to, to let it build me instead of break me down. And I pursued knowledge of how to become more positive and finding all these things that have the ability to build you up rather than breaking you down. And that has led me to getting involved with a lot of international corporations, including the Ziegler Corporation uh, or Ziegler in, uh, Inc. Zig Ziegler, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And, all right. and um, that all has led me on the path to, for, to me becoming a, a worldwide um, author well, uh, of three books currently and busy writing some more. Um, I never thought that I would become an author, yet here I am with three books already out and, and busy writing some more because there's always something that you can share with the world. And uh, I believe that there's, there's still a heck of a lot more to come. Yeah. You said something very interesting there that you pursued the knowledge required to, um, yeah, the knowledge required to be able to make the choices that are good for you in a time of adversity. So you're suggesting to me, if I understand you correctly, Peter, that uh, there are there is a set of knowledges or set of ideas, notions out there that one can learn that then equip you to be able to make the right decisions, especially under difficult situations? Absolutely. You see, the, the big problem with, with uh, traditional schooling is that they teach you outdated information. Yeah. And if, if you look specifically at, at a job type role, 
you're not taught the things that is going to equip you when difficulty strikes. You are taught how to do basic things. But once you hit obstacles and difficulties, then you don't know how to handle it because nobody ever taught you that. And what I needed to do is I needed to find those things and and, and pick up books. A lot of the information I found in books and, and podcasts and, and interviews held with other people, how they overcame their dis- uh, difficulties and obstacles. And through that, you develop the skill and, and it's, it's like a muscle. You know, if you exercise a muscle, it becomes stronger. So as you exercise the muscle of overcoming those difficulties, of being positive in negative situations, it becomes stronger. It's very, very interesting what you've just said, that traditional educational processes or the traditional, edu- the traditional educational system teaches us how to manage a stable situation. Absolutely. That it doesn't necessarily teach us how to deal with the difficulties when they come. And so when the difficulties do come, and they will, <laughs> right, we're not equipped to deal with those uh, difficulties. Give me some of the principles, I suppose, the overarching principles that your studies have led you to identify as, I suppose, pre- uh, prevalent in the process of uh, overcoming difficulties. We live in a very difficult world, financially, politically. Um, marriages are in difficulties now. Uh, everything is in, in a difficult situation at the moment. And I think part of the reason why we are all screaming with our hands up in the air is because we are, as you've just said, taught to only deal with things when they are stable. And uh, it is a very, very difficult thing to be dealing with the difficulties. What are some of the principles that one needs to be understanding uh, in order for us to be a little more comfortable with those difficult times? I would say the first thing that you need to start exercising and working on is to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, There's nothing wrong without being in an uncomfortable situation because Without you being in an uncomfortable situation, you'll never grow. The big thing, if you want to grow, you need to be able to to take ownership of the situation first. So you need to tell yourself, okay, what is my role in this? What choices have I made that brought me into this situation? That's in a personal situation. And what can I, what choices can I make now to change my situation? Because you're ultimately in control of your own destiny. You need to take charge of that. If it's, if it's external factors, you know, I think a lot of that I, I was learned or, or I, I, I was taught when I was in the military. And, and the military is all about thriving when chaos erupts. Yeah. And it's an immense amount of training and training and training and training that goes into it. And why so much training? Because you have a thing called muscle memory. And I believe that muscle memory is not only in muscle, but also in your mind. Yeah. And if you are constantly confronted with a difficulty and an obstacle, and you exercise how you're going to respond with that, and that all ties into goal setting as well, that when, when we do our goal setting training, we not only teach you how to write your goals, but also how to focus on when obstacles arise, that you are prepared for them. Because if you exercise that muscle, if you exercise that, that habit of overcoming those difficult situations, when you do come across a difficult situation and your world feels like it's falling apart, like in 2009 during my, my head-on car accident where I, I barely nearly lost my life, it felt like my world was crumbling. But then through the exercise and, and the different things that happen around you and, and that you've gone through, 
they prepare you to say, you know what, this is bad, but it's not the end of the world. And because of what I've learned, I can apply that and overcome this. I've just been talking as I started the show about a very tragic situation where a very senior person in government has been grooming a little girl uh, to become, uh, you know, he's a sexual predator and he's mm. been uh, grooming a little girl. How, how in your scenario do you get to a place where you say to that little girl, what was your responsibility in, th- in how, you know, in finding yourself in that situation where you're a victim of a sexual predator of that nature? In other words, the question I'm asking you is that somebody who finds themselves in a difficult situation financially in their marriage um wherever the 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 situation is who is saying but i didn't ask for this i didn't i i honestly didn't do anything to try and bring myself here are you saying that that person has got a duty to say that what was my role in this and are you also saying that that person has got to uh, accept some sort of culpability for a tragic situation that happens that they didn't ask for? What I'm saying is that the the reason that that girl is in that situation is absolutely not her fault. Yeah. Um, there are predators in this world and, and I'm, you know, it really saddens me. And I'm, I'm also, I'm a foster parent. I've got two foster children. Yeah. Um, and I see w- when you really start to get in, in, in the system of... Uh, social work, uh, the social services sector, yeah. then you really start to see terrible things happening. Sure. And there's a lot of uh, predators out there. So, no, she did not play a role in getting where she is. Yeah. But ultimately, with the right support, she can be taught how to overcome it so that what happened to her does not need to become her future. Right. It does not... Um, have to become her reality. Yes, at this moment it or is. Or her identity, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. She does. It does not need to become a permanent thing of who she is yeah. and identify with that. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. And it's not her fault that she's there. Yeah. Um, but with the right support, she has the ability to overcome it and use that to help others who might be going through the same thing. You, you seem to be saying that we need to understand that the brown stuff is going to hit the fan at some point in your life. Absolutely. It's not a matter of might it happen or it probably it's going to happen, you, you seem to be suggesting. And you're suggesting that we need to be comfortable with the knowledge that that is going to happen, right? Absolutely. I mean, I can always take it back to, to the biblical sense where it says, you know, in this world you will have trials, but yeah. be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Um, and I, I think for, for me is that, you know, there's going to be trials. We know there's going to be trials. But and do if, we? You see, you see, <laughs> you see Peter, you see, that's the thing. I don't know whether we know that. I, I don't know whether, because I think only if you truly know that that is the reality of the situation, that there are going to be trials, there's going to be trouble. Um, it's an inevitability of life, Yeah. then when they do come, then you are in a position to have the mindset to deal with them. I'm suggesting to you, my good friend, that it is precisely because we don't really know or believe that trials, difficulties, the negativity of life is an inevitability of life. In other words, that it is going to happen so that 
we don't get when it does happen we don't fall into crisis mode mm. we don't we aren't trained to expect that and when trials do come that's why we throw our hands in the air and we scream so i'm challenging you and, and help me i mean maybe i'm wrong and by the way give us a call at double one eight eight three oh seven oh two i'm speaking to peter van and he's an author of a number of books he is an expert in uh, personal development. We're talking about the, uh, the negativity in your life, the difficult things that happen in your life and whether or not they are inevitable. And I'm suggesting to uh, Peter that I don't believe that society really knows or believes that that is a fact and a truth of life, that uh, trials and difficulties are going to be coming your way, and that's why we're not prepared for it. That's a fact. And I think, you know, there's so much to be said about that. Yeah. Um, because I believe people live in a fairy tale where, you know, they meet the prince, they get married, and they live happily ever after. Yeah, bold and the beautiful, uh, bro. What's your story? Yeah. Um, but I, le- I mean, if you look back at nature, you can see it in nature every single time. People get so upset when things happen. And I'm just going to use this analogy, you know, after summer comes fall, then winter, and in winter everything dies. Yeah. But comes spring, everything starts living again. Yeah. If you look back at nature, you know, a lightning strike will cause a fire. It will burn down an entire forest. And we've seen a lot of fires, not only in South Africa, but in, in the US, internationally, US, the Canada. Yeah, yeah, sure. But that is part of the rebuilding process of nature. You know, it's terrible if human lives are being affected, but it's not only human lives, it's also animal lives. But that's part of the regeneration process. So what I'm saying is that there is going to be difficulty. A forest is going to burn down, but life is going to spring from it. And just as, like in your own life, there's going to be difficulties. You, ma- you must be aware of that. It's not going to be easy all the time. Don't compare your life to somebody, else fa- somebody else's fairy tale Facebook life. Um, you need to be aware that things are going to get tough. You know, you're going to lose parents. I lost both my parents in, in the last two years. Um, you, you're going to lose people close to you. You might get divorced. You might, might lose a child. Yeah. Difficult things are going to happen. And you need to be prepared for that. And it's not to say that it's not going to be difficult when they do happen. But you need to just understand that that, that moment will not define your life. It's going to change your life. But it should not stop your life. Give me a call. O double one eight eight three oh seven oh two. As I speak to Peter van van der Westeisen, uh, he's uh, cited one of the principles that he talks about as we talk about the importance of negativity, of trial, of difficulty in your life. Right, uh, the inevitability, inevitability of it. He's saying that you need to start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable as a principle. Yeah, uh, are you? And. Uh, who, do you agree that uh, that we need to have the mindset that accepts that reality that, you know, it's going to happen. The brown stuff's going to hit the fan at some point in your life. Are you prepared psychologically? Have you been trained to understand that inevitability in order for you to be able to, uh, to find that inner strength, to be able to have the inner resources to be able to say, yes, it has now happened. Now what? Or do you just break down and that difficulty becomes your uh, identity? I'm thinking about matriculants who are writing exams and many of our students that are going to be writing exams and sometimes uh, they fail. Mm -hmm. And you hear about the suicides that take place. 
Yesterday, we were talking about the ever-increasing rate of child suicide and the connection to depression that that has. Mm. And I'm putting it again to you, Peter, to say that I think that we live in a society that doesn't understand or doesn't know that there's going to be negativity. Mm. And if they do know, they don't know or have we haven't been trained in the the mindset of dealing with that. Absolutely. I think I think a lot of of uh, the problem is that we as a society is placing a lot of pressure on people to perform. And I think a lot of that is undue pressure where the young people of today feel that you know failure if if you fail then you are a failure. But failure is an event, it's not a person. Ah. You 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 don't become what happens to you unless you choose to. Again, there's a choice. You can become that person if you choose to. But failure, when you learn from it, is a lesson. So I've learned a heck of a lot of lessons in my life, but I haven't failed once because I've always learned from it. Um, I love what you just said there because I live by that. That when you fail, that is an experience of an event. It isn't the imbibing of an identity that's not who you are it is an event that took place in your life and and I, and I and i believe it's something that really needs to be said especially to young people my colleague Rilebukhile uh, was asking and just uh, trying to motivate young people as they write exams and so forth and she asked me what, what do i think and i said precisely that that when you fail you're not a failure unless you choose to absolutely yeah? Yeah. And, you know, I can use my own... Um, Principle number two, I like it, yeah? <laughs> my own uh, um, matric results I can use as an example. My first quarter in matric, I failed math. Yet, my final exam, I, I scored quite high. And the reason was, and, and there is an example of how you use failure. Failure there shook me. And it, it, it put me if I can put it this way, it put my butt in gear yep. to put more effort into my own studies. Again, I had to make the choice to do that. And I put in much more effort in studying my math. And because of that, I, I performed well. But then again, as well, if, you know, if you fail, let's say, for example, people think that, you know, if you don't have a matric, you're doomed. If you don't have a degree, you're doomed. You know, and, and that's just not the case. Yeah. A degree or, or a matric is not a defining factor of whether you will be a successful person or not. Your drive, your commitment, and your willingness to do whatever it takes and work hard and learn, that will be a defining factor. Not your degree, not your matric results, but you as an individual and your willingness to get out and do it and work hard for it. So I'm talking to Peter van Vestes, and we're talking about your relationship with difficulty, your relationship with the inevitability of of, of trials and tribulations in your life. What is your relationship with that? Do you throw your hands up in the air because you have not been taught that that is going to happen in your life? I, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I'm suspicious of the fact that I don't think that we are taught that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the issue of Facebook fantasy lives. You've mentioned the issue of Instagramming and, and, and how people uh, will show off certain ideas about what they like and they're very very positive mm. and everything is about you know uh, beauty and and there's nothing wrong it's great it's yeah. a wonderful thing but i think what that does is that it creates a, an impression of a continuation of just pleasantness 
Yeah, we've got enough of our negativity in life. The news, you just need to watch the news, listen to the show sometimes. Yeah, uh, there you've got enough negativity. But I'm not sure whether we are, as a culture, as a people, as a nation, are taught to understand that there is going to be tough situations and therefore to develop the kinds of, uh, of, 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 of mental call it spiritual resilience to be able to deal with those things we've got a number of calls on 011-883-0702 my guest is peter van der Veestes and he's an author and uh, he is uh, uh, i suppose a man who deals with uh, finding out what are the things that are learnable yeah, yeah in the process of trying to better yourself give us a call 011-883-0702 and of course you can send us your sms's on 31702 uh, on twitter at 702 aubrey let's go to the lines uh you want to put on your earphones there peter so that you can hear what uh, um what people are saying to you okay you want to grab that yeah go for it uh give us a call what are your thoughts do you agree that uh, are we taught that are you teaching your children that? And if you are, how are you teaching your children to understand that there are going to be difficulties in life? And not only just telling them that there are going to be difficulties in life, but how are you teaching them to develop the mental muscle yeah, required to be able to can handle the difficulties in life? I call that resilience. Give me a call, 011-883-0702. Are you teaching your children resilience? Or are your children caught up in popular culture, the fantasy of popular culture, that everything going to be all right, nothing's going to be bad. I'd like to take your calls around that. Let me speak to DK in Pretoria. Hi, DK. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, man. What's on your, what's on your mind? I'm great, I'm great. You know what, I fully agree with you guys that um, it's something that we don't quite teach. Yep. And there's just two or so points that I want to mention. First and foremost is that much as I agree that, uh, you know, uh, uh, problems or difficulties do happen in life, we also need to be cautious not to bring them upon ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, through our thoughts, firstly, and also through our reckless actions. Yeah. Because some people could hide behind that, you know. So that's one. But number two, I also want to give a perspective on how I deal with my problems. You know, recently I came across a very emp- empowering post which said that... Uh, uh, and this is like quoting life, which says that I'm going to make you happy, but firstly, I got to make you strong, uh, which means, therefore, that uh, your happiness lies uh, on the other side of your strength, you know? Ooh, so, yeah. uh, therefore, you first have to be strong in life for you to experience happiness, uh, because most people do not realize the link between the two. Uh, and that strength lies for, uh, in, 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 in a very important dimension of how do you perceive that which happens to you? Yeah. You know, uh, previously I, I came across another one that said that the meaning you give to an event mm. is the event. You know, so therefore whatever happens to us has no power over us until we label it. So and, give it and give it a meaning. Give it a meaning. Yeah. So therefore... It's not the event that defines us. It is what we call it. Thank you. DK in Pretoria, man, what a call. Okay, right, eh? It's not the event that defines us. It's the meaning we give the event, says DK. What do you What do you think of that? Give us a call. Nell in uh, Johannesburg. Hi, Nell. Morning, Aubrey. How are you? I'm very good, thanks, Nell. What's on um, your mind? Um, all I'm, I'm wanted to say to you, morning to Peter as well, morning. is that, is that, 
you know, society doesn't teach us that to distinguish between being positive and being negative or either preparing ourselves for the bad of things to come in life. Personally, I've got less friends. My my friend zone is also less. My support structure is less. It's because people have I've been told that I'm mostly negative when I interact with people in in sharing remarks about their life. And subconsciously, I'm not aware of that. But I, I think I, I'm just doing what everybody's yeah, doing. Yeah. I mean, you can take it this a typical example. If if a child, a female child gets pregnant, society will shun that child, even the churches, even the family. But yeah. once the child is born, he's a I mean she's he or she's a blessing. So we we are confused as societies. Yeah. We yeah. don't know which is which. We 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 seem we seem to be looking at life as a artificial form of love. We're not realistic about it. We we we're not preparing ourselves in families to say, My child will go to university, you will fail exams and you will be excluded. You need to know that you're not going there just to hang out with friends and have free time. You need to teach child children that you will go to to work and you'll find difficult bosses yeah. you'll find to people who are gonna man up to you on who are gonna you know yeah. gonna be racist because who are gonna be yeah. heartless to you. The society doesn't teach us that gonna drive this car, you're gonna meet a certain person who's gonna cut you off in the morning and your stress levels are gonna go high. So we don't teach ourselves that, you know, every little instrument has a positivity and a negativity effect on a person yeah i i find and i agree 100 percent with you now and i'm and i'm and i'm interested to hear what peter has to say about this but i find that sometimes and i listen to some of the things that outrage us and things that that we that we almost surprised by in our culture in in, in our sort of life culture that I sometimes say, well, yeah, that's that happens in life, and I don't know, and and I think you, I agree with you when you say that society doesn't teach us that. My question though is, is society supposed to teach us that? Do you think? I think if a collective number of people try to correct a person, not in a way of trying to model that, um, in order for you to be social, to be socially acceptable, yeah. you need to have this standard of living. We cannot all be the same. We cannot all have the same composition in life. We can't, we can't be made like that. But we need to be told when you do this sure. not that you're making yourself a, a, a comical no, let me stop you there and get uh, Peter's uh, response to some of the things that have been said. Let me quickly read you a, uh, uh, a WhatsApp message uh, from somebody who doesn't sign it off. They say, hello, how are you? Well, we, we good. And this person says, I found out that my wife was taking ARVs. But me, uh, but me, I am negative. So how can I deal with this difficult situation? Because it's very difficult for me to accept it. And I suppose you were not aware that your wife perhaps has a condition that requires her to take 
um, ARVs and you also feel sort of betrayed, the trust, uh, the fidelity in your relationship seems to have been cracked. I'm interested to hear what uh, Peter has to say. You heard DK's call. You've heard Neo's call. What do you make of this message from WhatsApp? Yeah, I think... Um Especially for for Nao, I would say that you know it's society. We it plays a role, but we're not supposed to be socially acceptable, because we are divinely acceptable, because we were made by the Creator. But here's the thing: is that because you are divinely acceptable, you need to accept yourself firstly. I do agree with her very much that there's a big issue with churches and society where they shun people if they make a mistake. And again, like I said earlier, mistakes happen. It does not define you. So if we want Whether to that happens it, from you or the church or from society or the, the, the mosque or the whatever. Absolutely. It's going to happen, you see. Yeah? Absolutely. So here's the thing. You need to be able to say, listen, I made a mistake and that's okay. But because the world is treating me this way, I will make it my mission to teach my children to be otherwise. My children to be otherwise and to do otherwise. Um, there's there's a big th- problem in, 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 in our culture when it comes to raising children. You know, if a child would, would bump his head against a table, you would say, oh, to get them to stop crying, you would say, oh, bad table, and you would hit the table, and he would hit the table, and then suddenly it's okay. But that's wrong because you're teaching the child that it wasn't his fault that he bumped his head against the stationary object. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. So what you should say, it's not the table's fault. The, station is, the table is stationary. It's your fault. And the other day, my son was running down the road and he looked back and he fell. And I did comfort him and said, sorry for your fall. You know, I can, for, for you, I can for imagine your the calls there are going to come at, come at you because of that. But yeah, okay, yeah. But the fact is you shouldn't look behind you when you run. You should, should look in front of you. So we should teach them the the repercussions of their actions because then they will understand it when they become adults and, and obviously with with the required sensitivity i suppose Absolutely. i mean you don't say to your baby boy um you hit the table yeah oh, no definitely not <laughs> you stupid fool no no you do it in love sure. love okay. love conquers all yeah um so i would pick him up and i would put him on my lap and i would comfort him but then i would explain to him what and it's amazing what how happened? little people understand when you do take time to explain. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, DK talks about uh, meaning that we we attach onto certain things. Um, very powerful, and and, and 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 sometimes I think the things that people reveal are so powerful. But he he's saying that it's not the event that is the problem. It's the or, 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 or the problem or, or the good thing about it. It is the meaning that you attach to the event. Yeah? Absolutely. I, I discovered something. Um, I, I attended a, a, a training event. And through the training <coughs> event, you did, we did a lot of soul searching. And I also discovered that there was a, a, an event that happened to me in my childhood where somebody called me stupid. And I attached so much meaning to that one moment where that child probably didn't even realize, they, they can't even remember me. But I identified with that. So I made that my reality. And for a long time, I struggled with the fact that I was stupid. But it was because but of it, an action. But it, it also means that you placed a high premium on that kid. You, exactly. You, 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 admi- you admired that kid? You, no, I you, didn't know him from anywhere. Okay. It was just in that event, what he said hurt me so deeply, but I internalized it. I made it mine, which in essence comes back to what DK said, is that 
It's the name that you give it. You de- what, decide. What, what, what name do you answer to? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that event for me was a life-changing event. And, it, and afterwards, when I started to realize that I had the power to change these things, then I could go back and say, listen, what that kid said had nothing to do with me. It was his response in or, or his reaction. Like we said earlier, response versus reaction. His reaction towards the situation that I internalized. But it actually had nothing to do with me. I want to talk a little bit about response versus reaction and what the difference is. But I also want to touch on something Neo was talking mm-hmm. about, the, uh, the power of society to, uh, to inculcate certain meanings, values in us. Mm-hmm. Doesn't she have a point when she says that society doesn't teach us the kinds of resilience that you, you're talking about, the, the knowledge that stuff's going to happen, negative mm-hmm. stuff's going to happen in your life. It's going to happen. It's, it's mm-hmm. inevitable. Society doesn't teach us that. And I suppose it starts at that very young age when you walk into the table that is stationary and we hit the table. We don't tell you, listen, buddy, you walked it into the table. So the society actually teaches us something that is counterintuitive, mm. if I understand you correctly. But shouldn't society be teaching these things? Absolutely. And you know what? Politics, I, I don't want to get into politics, but politics plays a big role in, the, uh, role in this as well. I believe that our society is being taught a culture of laziness and non-accountability because that's what's being modeled. Um, if you look at the whole RDP structure as well, if you earn little enough, you get a house. But if you actually go out and you, you get, a, get a job and you earn just above the threshold, yet not enough to buy your own home or build your own home, but you earn too much, then you don't qualify for RDP house. The missing middle. So what are they actually saying? is that you stop working, so you learn le- uh, earn less, then we'll give you a house. So it's, it's the society, and, and I believe that it all comes down, it's not just society, but it comes from politics and the, and, and the, um, the systems but that's put in place to say, you know what, if you don't have, we'll give to you. Instead of saying, let us teach you how to create for yourself. It's that whole principle of giving the a fish. man a fish and teaching him how to fish. So, yes, society is playing a big role, but it's not only society it's 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 everything i mean but there are people that are that are that are indigent that are weak right uh due to circumstances and me and i don't i don't want to go into the political thing we we're going to do it we do it all the time but 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 are you saying to me that we shouldn't help those that are weak no not at all i do believe we should help but we should educate instead of just giving them we should educate them. Why? Um, I always say that, you know what, I'm, I'm not always just giving this profound knowledge that I have been bestowed with. I'm sharing a lot of stuff that I've learned from other people. Yeah. And why do I do that? Is because not everybody will have the same opportunity of learning from those people as I have. But if I don't share it, how will they know it? My wife and I always say that people can only, they'll only do what they know. So if they don't know better, how will they do better? So if we want people to do better, we need to teach them how to do better. And then they need to go out into their communities and then teach that same thing. And through that, it will filter down into everybody. And that's the way we can instill true, true, uh, true change is by 
teaching people how to make it better, not only for themselves, but for those around them. We need to create leaders. Talk to me about response versus, um, versus reaction. All of that ties into the, the whole negativity thing. You know. um, you've got a choice in responding or reacting. Reaction is an instantaneous thing. You know, if something bad happens, somebody turns in front of you in traffic and cuts you off, immediately you're upset and you start shouting and at the next robot you want to jump out of your car and you want to break the windows and all of those things. That's reacting. But what does that really add to your day? You know, a lot of times, especially with taxis, you know, if a taxi drives in front of you in in traffic, you get so upset. And I'm not saying what they're doing is right. But the way that you react against them and shout and scream, it's, it's, it's upsetting your day and they probably don't even realize that you're there or realize that you're alive. They just keep going. Yeah. But you let that dictate your life. Um, where in essence, if, 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 if you think about what's happening, especially let's say, for example, a person at work, you get, you get into the office um, and you are five minutes late. You're never late, but today you're five minutes late. And usually you and your boss have a good relationship. But on this day, he jumps on you and he goes off like nothing because you are five minutes late. Now you can, you can react and shout back at him and say, this is the first time ever that I've been late. And, and you know, I'm just going to resign because I'm fed up and I work my butt off. And now that I'm five minutes late, you, you jump on me and I'm going to leave. Or you can respond and think about, okay, why is this? What happened? in his day that is causing him to react this way. And if you think of that... Is that my job, though? I mean, am am I the one that must think about what happened to him? He's the one that's crapping on me. That's true. But the fact is, if if you're not going to take ownership of your own response, then you're going to escalate. Back to the thing that DK was talking about, the, the, the meaning that I attach to an event is what that event actually becomes. Absolutely. Wow. All right. I, I want to quickly take a call from Clemmy. We still need to deal with the issue of the uh, the guy on uh, WhatsApp. Yeah. And, I, and I know I'm going to have to take news. Can we just take just five minutes after the news? Yeah. Please, please, no Peter. Problem. All right. Let's quickly take a call from Clemmy in Soweto. Clemmy, hi. Clemmy. Yeah, Clemmy, how's it? Hello. Yeah, go for it, Clemmy. Yeah. Uh, you're going to the news. Yeah, we're going to go to the news, but uh, perhaps you could uh, talk to us now. Yeah, you, you know, I compare with uh, your, your speaker there. Yeah. You, you know, this suicide and things, you know, I've been listening very, very, very carefully. Mm. You, you know, there is this thing that we call try and fail, but never fail to try. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And if you are failing to plan, you are planning to fail. Yeah. That's. The other one, it's a journey of a thousand miles. Begins with the first step. Yeah. You know, we go to school for wrong reason. One of my, le- oh, my, my teacher, mm. you know what he said? He said to me, yeah. when you go to school, you, do, you go to school for other people, not for yourself. Because they never had an opportunity to go to school and learn what you've learned. Yeah. And uh, one important thing that taught me, he said, the quitter never fails, but the winner. I mean, the, 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 the quitter fails, but the, the winner never fails. Yeah. Yeah, you, you understand? I, I, I hear him very, you know the universal law of opposite. Yep. If you are black, you are not white. If you are not male, you are female. And if you are not tall, you are short. And if there is a day, there shall be 
the night. Mm. Much as if there is darkness, there shall be light. And All right. If you are not bad, we are good. Sure. Clemmy, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop I'm, you. I'm closing. Yep. Yeah. Very quickly, Clemmy. Yeah. The universal law of opposite. All right. Clemmy, thanks very much for your call. Much appreciated. Yeah. So you, you're going to stick with us just for five minutes. I do want us to respond to the question about the guy who discovered that his wife is using ARVs. He feels betrayed. He's angry, I, I would imagine. Uh, how should he respond versus how should he react? Or, 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 or what are the various options to him in response versus reaction? Uh, I'd like to continue with that conversation. But we need to take a break now and then we take the news, eyewitness news. And then we continue our conversation with Peter van der Late Night Talk. Late Night Talk. With Aubrey Masango. On 702. 702. Your number one news and talk station. It's four minutes after one o'clock. And um, my guest, Peter van der the author of Breaking the Zone, Five Ways to Reach Your Potential, The Significance of Being Born, Eight Methods to Uncover Your Purpose. And, of course, uh, Walking with Faith, a, a, a book that he's written with 10 other um, uh, authors throughout the world. It's, it's yep. people that uh, come from all parts of the world. Eh? Yeah, most of them are from the U.S. Uh, yeah. There's also from the Caribbean, Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. different so parts of the world. Different parts uh, of the world. And, and, and interesting that all of these things um, seems to converge in this one book. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested to find out a little bit more. Uh, about that book. Uh, but Peter, we've been talking about a very interesting uh, situation and that is uh, the purpose of negativity, mm. tragedy, uh, maybe maybe trials in people's lives and, and, and what our relationship is towards them. And you've been speaking about a number of principles that we, um, we need to perhaps be aware of, mm. the idea that stuff's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, difficulties are going to arise in your life. And... Uh, uh, and we need to ask ourselves whether or not we are uh, have been trained to be able to deal with the inevitability of that reality. Mm. Uh, are we comfortable with being uncomfortable? Yeah. Um, you talked about the fact that uh, we need to be able to respond and not just react. Mm. Um, uh, I love the analogy about the child and uh, bumping himself against a stationary object that we generally will hit the table and say bad table mm. instead of saying to the child in the sensitive and loving way that actually, you know, you walked into a stationary object mm. and what lessons can be learned in that situation. So it's a very, very, sometimes a very s- sensitive conversation calls from people like DK who say it's, it's, it's the, the, the event becomes what, whatever meaning you attach to Absolutely. it. In other words, what do you respond to? Mm. When people call you stupid or when any other label, uh, what meaning do you attach to it? Because it becomes whatever meaning you attach to it. So it's a very, very, very powerful conversation we're having. And uh, lots of calls uh, from people like Clemmy, Nao. But I do want us to deal with the issue that was raised by the person on WhatsApp. He relates the fact that his wife is using ARVs, right? Mm. And that possibly means that she has HIV, mm-hmm. yeah? She has obviously not told him that she's HIV positive because she hasn't told him that she's using HR- ARVs. Mm. 
the implication there is that maybe she was involved in a sexual relationship that was illicit, that was illegal. Mm. So there's all sorts of other issues of fidelity there and heartbreak and uh, feelings of betrayal. Anybody listening to that scenario, that situation says that this guy's got every right to be angry and to lash out. Mm. Tell me how should he respond as opposed to react? Yeah, that it's a difficult situation. Yeah. You know, it's it's not something that's that's easy. I believe that you know, a lot if you look at a lot of marriages today, you know, people divorce has become a quick easy option. Um not that not that it's necessarily easy, but it's easier than to stay in the marriage. And I also understand that there are marriages that <laughs> it shouldn't be. So I'm not saying that divorce is necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. It just shouldn't be an easy outcome. So with this situation, you know, it's a tough conversation and that tough conversation needs to be had between him between him and his wife. Um, the thing is that he needs to think about what he wants to say beforehand than in, in, instead just jumping into it and, and accusing her and... You know, yeah, there might have been infidelity. We don't know. You know, it might have been medical. Yep. We don't know. We're making assumptions. Yep. yep. But, so, but so, 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 so perhaps part of the response is to first ascertain the facts. Absolutely. Instead of jumping to a conclusion on the basis of what you think might be the facts. Huh? Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Yep. And then also, I would say that, you know, difficult things happen. People, people make mistakes. Um that does not make them bad people. They made a mistake. Um, so the conversation needs to be had. And then it, not only a conversation with the person, but also with yourself. And what does this relationship mean to me? What does this person mean to me? Am I willing to work with them through this difficult situation? Because I mean, it should, it, uh, I believe that it's also a difficult situation for her as yeah, well. Yeah. And um, the only way that they will overcome it is by working through it together. They, there's no easy way to overcome something like that. There's, there's no easy answer. I suppose somebody's listening to you and saying that that kind of thing is unovercomable. <laughs> um, uh, is it? I won't say so, no. Um, it depends from, on, on the person. Because I've, I've seen couples that went through things that the world would say would tear anyone apart. And yet they came make out the stronger, yeah. to stick together, stick it through, and come out much stronger on the other side. So it again comes down to a choice. And are you willing to go through that difficult times and work for it? Because it's going to get tough. A lot of times with, with dif- difficult situations as well, you know, something comes into our lives not only to teach us lessons, but also to teach those around us lessons. You know, if you, for example, are, are diagnosed with cancer, um, it, it's there maybe to teach you something, but also maybe to teach some, somebody else something. When I was in my car accident, um, it brought my whole family closer together. Uh, we spent more time together. We spoke more regularly. When my parents passed away, the same thing. Um, so a lot of times difficult things happens also to teach other people around you lessons. And I believe in this situation, the way that they will react and respond and work through this situation will not only strengthen their relationship, but, but will also be a massive testimony to those around them that might think, wow, you know. If something thing- like that happens, then it means it's, it's tickets for that relationship. Absolutely. And you're saying to me that uh, even 
those events that look absolutely insurmountable, if the response to them is a measured one, Mm -hmm. if I'm understanding you correctly, it can produce a result that would defy popular intuition. Mm -hmm. You are saying to me that, but if we react, then the popular intuition will be proved correct. Absolutely. That that relationship is doomed. Mm -hmm. And I suppose what you're saying is true for so many other negativities that happen to us, Mm. that we assume, depending on whether we are reacting or or responding, the worst if we react, and the best outcome may come out of that, that has exponentially better than what we thought was going to happen because we responded. Absolutely. But that requires, I mean, deep, huge, gargantuan maturity. Absolutely. The thing is, you cannot be a child all your life. Sooner or later, you have to step up and be a man or a woman, be an adult. And and what you're saying now is you need to be immature. Because to step back and say, you know what, the way that that person handled me is not right. I'm not condoning their actions towards me. But I'm not going to let their actions define, define me and define the way I'm going to respond or be. Because this is who I am and I should be a constant so that my children and my family know that I'm a constant. Uh, Are you, are you, are you, you know, these are very nice things to hear. (laughs) They're very noble values, very nice. What's the benefit of them? In other words, I'm, I'm asking a question that says, you know, I'm tired of being nice. You know, I'm tired of being the good boy because maybe in my experience, I've come to a place where being a good boy and being the noble guy, being the guy who takes the road less traveled um, and all of those very powerful, highfalutin, noble uh, ideas are noble for that sake, for nobleness's sake. But is there a practical utilitarian value to being noble, to being good? I believe it comes down to to what you think and what you believe. Yeah. Because um, I'm very, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm very faithful. But, so that drives me as well. But you don't necessarily have to be faithful to be, to be a good person. You can still be a good person and not be Necessarily faithful. Necessarily be yeah. attached to some sort of uh, religious ideology yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but what I'm trying to say is that for me, I'm not only doing it for me, I'm doing it for God as well. But I believe that the purpose why I'm doing all these things is because by me being the one stable constant, I know that if my children have a bad day, they can come to me because I'm their constant. If my wife has a bad day, she can come to me because I'm her constant. But so as well, I also have bad days. And then I know that I can go to my family and I can be myself and I can, I can, be lay, vulnerable, I yeah. can be vulnerable because I am there for them when they are vulnerable. And through that, we support each other. It's, 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 you become a unified so it is practical. It, it's practical. It is, not just, it is not just beautifully spiritual and noble. It, there's a practical value to be derived from understanding the difference between responding and, 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 and reacting. There is, a, there is a value for understanding that I need to develop the internal um, intellectual and spiritual muscles to be able to have resilience by understanding the very one constant principle of 
it's going to hit the fan at some point in your life. Absolutely. Um, so, so there is a practical uh, value to be derived out of this. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this, um, uh, Peter, because my little experience says people only do something when they see benefit. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, and, 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 and a lot of things have happened in the world where we've been preached to about what is purportedly good values, noble ideas, and they sound good and they, they feel good at a certain level, but people have a very difficult time identifying what is the practical virtue, what is the practical outtake for me as an individual if I follow those principles. And you're saying that there is one, yeah? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I, I found a lot of this through throughout my career as well, because I, I like to try new things and do new things. Um, that's why I, I was the first uh, person in Africa to be Ziegler certified, to do Zig Ziegler's training. I was the first of many things. And be, sometimes being the first is not a good thing because you have to learn. You have to figure out things along the way and it's difficult. Yeah. But because I do that, whenever somebody else comes in, then I make it my mission to teach them how to do it so that they don't have to learn it the, the difficult way. And that's yeah, they don't have to reinvent the wheel. Exactly. Yeah, sure. And I don't do that for personal gain. I do that to help them succeed because... I think a, lo- a big issue as well in, in the culture today is that there's, there's the whole mentality of scarcity, is that if you are rich, then that means that you've taken mine, my share. But the world doesn't work like that. I mean, wealth is infinite. You need to create it. How are you creating it? That's the question. So when it comes it's to a conversation we need to have. Absolutely. It's a conversation <laughs> we need to have. The idea that, yeah, the whole idea of scarcity versus lack. Yeah, I, 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 I like what you're saying. Yeah, okay. So, in essence, why I do it is not for my gain. It's to help them be successful because I know if they are successful, I will always show up in their testimony. And Jim Rohn had one thing, also an amazing motivational speaker. Um, he used to say that they, one of the most amazing privileges is to show up in somebody else's testimony. To say, you know what, I was on this road. I was heading towards this, towards ruin, towards alcoholism or whatever it can be. And this person changed my life by what they said, by something they did, by something they showed me. And here's the thing is that it doesn't always have to be a full out um, intervention because there's always, no matter where you are, who you are or what you're doing, there's always somebody looking up to you. There's always somebody, it doesn't matter where you are. Somebody is looking up to you at this moment, and you need to inspire them. You need to show up. Absolutely. All right, let me read you some of the messages that have come through on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at 702 Aubrey. McKay says, there's a book called The Art of Spiritual Healing by Joel Goldsmith. He talks about arm of the flesh. And she continues, the very era of you are fighting you are perpetuating by that fighting. You can't heal if you accept error as an actual condition. Wow. Mm. She says, uh, when you stop condemning your mind, you will find that your mind is is a clear transparency for the soul. Uh, then finally, she says, unfortunately, it's hard to be what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Some people stop growing at some point in their lives. Children in adult bodies. Listen, it's been a great conversation. And I do want to have the conversation about the principles of of scarcity versus the principles of lack. Mm. 
Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm learning, just uh, as an aside, Peter, is that there are principles in the world. Um, some are very obvious, like gravity. You know, if I take this book and I drop it, you know, I, I see it. But there are some principles that aren't aren't so obvious, but are as true as the principle of gravity. Yeah. And it's it's the principles of lack versus scarcity, and how we apply ourselves towards those principles in order to get or lose. Um, and I, I I know that you've been working on those kinds of things, and I'm hoping that in the future we'll have those kinds of conversations um, that are going to help us understand how we can uh, inculcate those principles so that we develop the knowledge that is going to help us behave in, in different ways so that we can have different results to what we've been having all all our lives. So thank you very much for having joined me this morning. I hope this is not the last of, uh, of these conversations, and I'm hoping that... Um, uh, we'll be able to continue this kind of conversation. It's, it's, it's critically important. Tell me, how do people get in touch with you if they want to find any of your books or maybe continue this conversation with you or, or, or whatever the case may be? Um, well, people can email me um, at peter at breakingthezone.co.za. Um, they can also find my websites breakingthezone.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all of those. And uh, my books are available. Um, most of them are available. Well, all of them are available on Amazon.com. Um, some of them are available on exclusive books. Uh, take a lot. So it all depends on on how many of the the the, um, the publishers or or the the stockists actually p- pick up the book because my publisher is in the in Texas in the United States. So sometimes it's uh, it takes a while to yeah, be here. But yeah. I know most of them are available already on exclusive books and take a lot. Peter, thanks very much for joining us, man. Thank you so much. Much appreciated.